Hello and welcome to another Comedian's Interview for my blog and podcast, A Rich Comic Life. My name is Richard Gill and my blog describes my experiences of watching over 1,000 stand-up comedians over the last 47 years. I'm delighted to welcome my guest today, the wonderful Leslie Gold. Yes! Hello! Thank you so much. Hello, Rich. No one has a laugh like you. (laughs) Nobody does. It's amazing. You could bottle that and sell it. (laughs) Well, the the laugh began... um, uh, uh, I went to see Tom O'Connor, of all people, on a family holiday, who was an old 70s comedian who was great. And I sat there and I just laughed loudly at him and it actually floored his act because he didn't realise how funny he was. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> thank you so much for doing this. It's, it's really good to have you as a guest. Um, we're going to talk about your comedy career for the next 45 minutes to an hour. And I'd like to begin by asking you, how did you become a comedian in the first place, please? Okay. Um, I've not been a comedian very long. Uh, despite my age, I'm a bit of a baby comic still. Um, and it all started a couple of years ago when some friends were putting on a charity gig. And one of them knew I had an interest and said, would you like to give it a go? And I thought, I'll do it once and cross it off my bucket list. <laughs> And uh, last night I did my 201st gig. So. Oh, that's amazing. Well done, you. Oh, fantastic. That, that is great. Because I first met you at Always Be Comedy uh, um, at the bar. And uh, you said, uh, we, we've got this comedy night going, uh, starting of Come Along. And um, uh, we, we're, we're going to move on and talk about it a lot more later. But uh, it's, it's, it's so good to be part of your night as well um where where was your first ever gig and what was it like it was uh downstairs at the star of kings and king's cross right uh, a well-known venue um and it was it went really well (laughs) (laughs) yes my, my, my friend had asked me to do this and we were out we worked together at the time and we were out at a works drink do and i might have had a few drinks by the time I said yes to this. But I went home that night, opened my laptop and just started. And the gig wasn't for another six weeks. And I think I spent every spare moment of that six weeks thinking, what am I going to say? How am I going to say it? What if nobody, oh my God, and freaking out. And then on the night, my first ever set was 10 minutes, which is ridiculous because most people start with five. But I didn't know what was normal. And he said, yeah, can you do 10? I'm like, yeah, I could talk for 10. Sure. <laughs> and it, it went really well. Brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant. And no one was more surprised than me. So was this was this in a pub? Did you start off in pubs doing building yeah. up experience, yeah? Oh yeah, um, I've I've spent more time in pubs in the last 2 years <laughs> <laughs> than, than I have since I was in early 20s where I spent a lot of time in pubs. <laughs> do you do you take um uh, friends along with you for support because um, whenever I go and, and uh, certainly support new new comedians they always say to me we need a plus one and that's for me to sit in the fr- in wherever in the comedy venue and laugh at them and, and, I, and I love to go 
but um, it's it, it, the whole point of the blog is to um, support new comedians as well as established ones. Is that is that the case for you? Well, in London, if you want to start out, there is the, the, the notorious beastie of the bringer gig. <laughs> and um, and people have opinions, lots and lots of opinions about bringer gigs. When I started, I was only too happy to take whatever stage time anyone would give me, and that meant bringing friends along. But it also was a bit of an opportunity to see friends and say, you know, here's a reason to come out tonight, or here's a reason to do a thing. And I only started doing comedy about six months before the world ended. Um, I had my very first paid gig on March 13th, 2020. Wow. And uh, I'm, I'm not going to take responsibility. No, for... no, certainly not. <laughs> <laughs> but it didn't feel a bit like, oh. But I do, I try and use it as an opportunity to, to see friends as well. So if I travel a fair bit to a gig, if I go, I live in South London, but I'll gig in, you know, Ipswich or uh, Portsmouth or sure. Bristol. And I try and... and catch up with friends in that area when I do that so it's serving double purpose so I always try and get friends out to my gigs I'm relentlessly publicizing and promoting my gigs anyone who's friends with me on Facebook will know that um but I think it's great to get audience along because there's no point in doing live comedy without an audience exactly yeah they're very important um so yeah it's multiple purpose I always try and get friends to come to gigs and I don't really do bringer gigs anymore if I can help it but um, but I still try and get friends to come out and spend time and see me and spend an evening laughing because what's better than that? It's such a positive vibe, isn't it? It's such a positive thing to do. What's not to love? I, I, I so admire you for doing it. Um, did you ever find it difficult at all to break through into comedy? Did, did, did you have any difficult nights? I can't, I can't ever imagine you having a bad gig because you're so bubbly. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly you that's say wrong. you're not funny. <laughs> yeah, I have died on my ass many, many, many times. <laughs> you're not a comic till you've died on your ass. No, exactly. exactly. Um, the first time I had a terrible gig was one I had been really looking for. It was like my, I think it was my seventh, seventh gig, and it was an angel. And I had been so excited to perform... At Angel, and I just died. Oh. Just my timing was off, and I just—it was the day after I flew back from the states, and I was jet lagged, and I should not have accepted that gig. But I didn't know that then, and I was exhausted, and for whatever reason, I totally flubbed it, and I felt like a prize ass. <laughs> but oh dear, you know, <laughs> it's, it's how you learn. Exactly, exactly. I always say to any comedian, you have to, I would, I would guess, have to have a bad gig in order to be a better comedian. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's, there's something to learn at every gig, and it might yeah. be that you learn that you should not do that material, or it might be that you learn to, to listen to your instinct when you know you're not ready for something. Um, but sometimes it's just a, a case of trying different things and seeing what works, and you're not really going to know what works until you know what doesn't work. Sure, yeah. So um, when did you come to Britain then? Was this was this before, obviously before the, the, the comedy started? Oh, yeah, I've been in the UK since 2003. Right. Uh, so a very long time. 
Um, I never did comedy in the States. And actually, people ask me a lot if I if I would. And I, I don't think they find me. <laughs> well, I don't know. You could definitely have a go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, when I was when I was younger, I, I kind of dabbled in, in a couple of performance things, but I wasn't very good. Right. And I never had the confidence until very recently to give it a go. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is all about. It is all about confidence. Um, what do you like to talk about on stage? Are there, are there any specific areas that you go down every time, or um... <laughs> not every time? But I will say that um, my family is a rich treasure trove of <laughs> material. <laughs> <laughs> um, to put it in context, I'm the quiet one. Right. In my family, I'm the I'm the quiet retiring one. Right. That might give you a tiny, tiny sense. I <laughs> I, I can't really believe that when I see you on stage. <laughs> <laughs> so there's yeah, so, so there's a rich amount of comedy in your family, yeah. Um. Yeah. There's a there's a lot to to pick apart. There's a we've I had a fairly somewhat difficult childhood right some not compared to a lot of people but some fairly significant things that happened that weren't good okay and um i spent a long time as a kid being angry and you know feeling hard done by and and i realized about 10 years after i was behaving this way that it wasn't actually doing anything good for me and yeah. uh so i tried to let that go a bit but now i'm revisiting some of that stuff and finding laughter in it which is great how how wonderful is that to turn something difficult into into something good and something positive it's wonderful um my mom's not entirely sure she agrees <laughs> but <laughs> um when you're when you're on stage, how do you remember all your routines? Have you got a way to remember them? I practice a lot. I I learn by doing, um, and so I am often seen going for walks, and it looks like I'm either talking to myself or having a very uh, dramatic conversation on the phone. But really, I've got my headphones in. I'm possibly recording myself to listen back to it later because. I often write while walking as right. well and using my headphones and recording because when I haven't got a screen in front of me and when I haven't got other distractions and I'm just out walking, I can just talk and think. Um, and I learn, you asked how I learn. I learn by repeating. Every morning in the shower, I'll practice whatever my current bit is or right. I'll try and riff new ideas. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm, my partner's like, I've heard it a thousand times. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I just, yeah, I, I, I learn a lot by repetition. And then, because most of my, my material is mostly storytelling and it's almost entirely true. So yeah. it's, it's not about necessarily remembering my set, just about thinking about what I want to talk about. And if there's any kind of wordplay, if I'm having a good set, um, I'll try and remember the right order to do the things in. But that comes from repetition for me. That's, that's very interesting because... Um... The other most creative thing I've ever done, apart from this blog, um, I wrote a play and uh, appeared in it, um, for uh, which we did for Comic Relief. And um, uh, m myself and my friend, we did we did um, three performances. 
and the play was called The Applicant, and it was it's basically about me coming down from Carlisle to London. I've got a very successful girlfriend, and I'd never had a job before, and it was all my experiences of going through all the interview process and whatnot. So it would start off with me uh, running out late for an interview and then be interviewed by my mate who, who did all the um, accents. So, of course, writing monologues, because I'm sitting in the waiting room nervous, um, uh, I wrote six pages of these monologues for this character. And the first time we did it, I ran out and I completely forgot my lines. <laughs> <laughs> I was like a rabbit in headlights and and oh. and it was and it was fascinating listening to you there because if you're repeating it in repetition that must be a good way for you to remember your set as you go on because a lot of comedians write notes down on the hands and all the rest of it but um you're not you're not like that are you or, or do you no no, I don't I don't write notes on my hand. A no. I wouldn't be able to read them yeah. on stage. Um <laughs> And it's, yeah, I mean, I, I would struggle to condense like this bit into that word. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's like muscle memory. If you say it enough times, you get to learn it. It's just like, like learning lyrics to a song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but we've all, we've all had those moments. We've all, com every <laughs> comic at some point has completely blinked on stage. <laughs> it, it happens and it, it hasn't happened to me a lot, but it has happened. And there's a power in remembering that the audience doesn't know what you're supposed to say. Yeah. They haven't seen the script. They don't think there is a script. They think you're riffing this all off the top of your head. Yeah. So one of the things I've been working on developing more, which is one of the reasons I wanted to MC my own gig, is to be able to think more in the moment and to riff stuff and to not get that deer in the headlights moment. <laughs> Well, believe me, uh, performances two and three were word perfect for us. Oh, <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> I was I was so gutted because um, oh, we'd spent like ten weeks rehearsing it, and uh, um, uh, and to go out and to forget your lines, I was gutted. But that is know, gutting. It's one of those things. One of those things. Um, you were named one to watch at the West End New Act of the Year very recently in 2022. Well done, you. Congratulations. You. Well deserved. Um, Thank you. Please, that was a surprise. Well, I was going to say, please, can you describe the experience and what is your view of comedy competitions in general? Well, this might not be a popular view. <laughs> Well, that's on. never stopped me before. <laughs> um, I'm not actually, I'm not a massive fan of competitions. Mm. I, people always laugh when I say I'm not a competitive person. I enjoy competing. I don't get the hump if I lose something, right? right? I just, if I'm going to compete in something, I want to do my best. Everybody does. So I've, I haven't entered a ton of competitions. I did So You Think You're Funny because... It was my first year. It was the only year I was ever going to be eligible for it. I got to the semifinals in that. I was completely blown away, and it was a massive learning experience for me, and I learned so much from it. So for me, that's a win. I didn't go to the final. I didn't win it. Who cares? I learned a lot, and that's yeah. what I wanted from it. And uh, Steve, who runs a West End New Act uh, competition, he's a brilliant comic. And when he told me he was doing this, this competition he was like do you want to enter you know you're eligible because i'm still like i say still a fairly new comic 
I thought about it, and Steve's such a good guy, and he's so funny that I thought if he's involved, it's going to be pretty good, and there's probably a lot to learn from that as well. So I did that, um, and I, you know, again, I didn't, I didn't get to the final, I didn't win it, but um, I was really honored to be named one to watch. It is amazing, yeah, yeah. It's really, it's really lovely to get um, to have to find out that a comic you respect. Uh, thinks that you're all right. What's what's Steve's surname? McLean. Oh yeah, he's brilliant. He's absolutely brilliant. He is so. He's good. so funny. Yeah, yeah. He's so funny, and he's got a real unique sort of charm about him, in that he can be quite aggro on stage, but in a really charming way, which I admire. That's what you want. You want. You want it. You want not endearment, but you want to uh, be able to listen to him and this and go along with him for the ride and he's perfect at doing that i've seen him before he's a very very funny man fantastic um, yeah uh do you think that uh um being noticed in a competition um will will make you get more gigs or increase your exposure i mean i hope so that's one yeah. of the reasons yeah you do it and like i say i don't do there's there's some things i i I don't want. I, I have no intention of ever doing a gong show. No, no. I can't. I can't see what the point is. I, I, so many bad things could happen. <laughs> um, but I think the point of doing any comps, like the, the ones that you do, is is to get to learn from it. But also, yeah, you want to put it on your little bio when you send off to say, "Book me, please." Sure. Um, you know, being able to say one to watch is is nice, and hopefully, it'll help somebody else go. Okay, yeah, let's give her a shot. Brilliant, brilliant. It's so true you say about the gong show. Um, uh, a few years ago now, um, I knew a promoter, a comedy promoter, and um, I thought to myself, I need to get all this out of my system. I, I want to have a go at being a stand-up comedian. And uh, the promoter, I went up to the promoter and I said, I've got this script about me crashing cars in my home city of Carlisle. And he said, oh, this is brilliant, this is brilliant. Um, he said you'll be perfect. He said he said it's a gong show, of the worst you could do, uh, for old people. <laughs> so uh, so I went out in the afternoon. It was an afternoon and evening show, and I went out in the afternoon, and before I said anything, the first, uh, launched into my script. The first thing I the first the opening line I had was. Um, uh, um, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. When I was at college, people used to think I looked like Eddie the Eagle Edwards, the ski jumper, but I can't see the resemblance myself. And obviously, at the time, I was his double. Nothing except one old man at the back just went, fuck off, and gonged me off to my own footsteps. <laughs> and, and the promoter then said to me, have another go, have a go, another go in the evening. The same thing happened in the evening. Similar wow. thing, and I and I thought, I think my uh, place is in the audience, <laughs> supporting <laughs> everybody, and and so it's worked. I'll never say never again, but it was a, it, it was the worst experience that you could have for the genre. But at least I had I mean, a go. Starting with a gong <laughs> show, though, you're not setting yourself up no. for success there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, that, there's yeah. some there's some people who swear by them, but I think it depends on the style of comic you are as well. If I was a one-liner comic, which I wish I was, but I cannot write a one-liner to save my life, they do well. Yeah, in yeah, shows yeah, generally. yeah. I I get up on stage and I tell stories, and 
you know, I don't think that's likely to do well in a Guangzhou environment. Well, I think certainly comedians have one for storytelling, but but you're right, it's snappy, quick one-liners. Um, uh, when I was um, deciding on writing the book and the blog, um, I went to a half-day writing course, and uh, it was run by um, the lady from Amused Moose, and uh, I went uh, as as a result of that. I went. I was invited to um, uh, be a judge on one of the panels for the Amused Moose. It was just in the audience, and uh, it was fascinating to see how uh, it all worked out. But I'm but I'm with you. It's like uh, I've seen so many over the years that. Um, if they walk out and they're endearing and you want to see them again and they are original, then there we are. It's just, it's, it's just the best thing sitting there laughing at them. Let's, let's move on. Um, whenever I've seen you, and this is contradicting you, you always appear very, very confident on stage and fearless with an audience. Um, do you suffer from any nerves before you go on stage and how do you cope with them? Well. <laughs> I'm all ears. <laughs> apparently I'm a very good actress. Um, I, I, I don't suffer much with nerves anymore. I get adrenalized. I enjoy being on stage. I love it. It's one of my favorite things to do. But that's a newish thing for me. When I was, when I was a, a child, I had crippling stage fright wow so much so that if an adult i didn't know came to our house i would hide behind my father like i could not wow. deal um and it was i'm i'm a i'm a natural introvert and a learned extrovert okay um and i am much happier as an extrovert but i had to learn how to be that and um i was fine with my stage fright I, when i was a kid i wanted to perform but i didn't have any self-confidence and uh, the stage fright made that worse. Right. Um, so I couldn't even dream of performing as a kid. And then um, years later I was in uni and I, I went to uni in America where it works differently than here. My, for my university course, I had to pass a public speaking class as part of my journalism course. And my professor called me aside early on in the semester and he said, um, you're writing very good uh, speeches, but you're delivering terrible speeches and you're not going to pass my class. You need to do something. And I said, well, you're the professor. What should I do? And he said, I don't know. Wow. <laughs> That's not very helpful. Blimey. So <laughs> I had to take quite drastic action. And um, so I joined the cast of Rocky Horror. Right. Um because it was, it was something that was happening at my school and I knew some people were doing it and it was, I thought, well, if I go up and play the role of Magenta, nobody's really <laughs> gonna think that's me. Because the, the core, <laughs> core truth about stage fright is what will they think of me? That's what it is. <laughs> but I, if I was playing an outrageous character, then there was no risk that anyone was gonna think that was me, if that makes sense. And totally, forcing yeah. myself to do that gave me the confidence to, to, to then go back to my class and deliver a speech. But before I stepped up to the, to the rostrum to give a speech, I told myself I was playing the character 
of a confident public speaker. And that's all it took. That's brilliant. That's wonderful. And it changed everything. That's wonderful. I, I, I immediately think of somebody like Ronnie Barker, the great character actor, British character actor, who um, was terrified to be interviewed as himself. And he even had to have something like a moustache or anything to, that, that would be a prop. And what, once he was in character, he was a different person. That, that, is a, that is a fantastic answer you've given because it's so... If, if, if you hadn't have said that, I would never have known watching you perform because you're so animated and you're so full of life. It's, it's lovely. It's really good. Thank you. I'm a much happier person as, a, as an extrovert who likes to be on stage than I ever was as an introvert yeah, 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 stage yeah. right. And so it is quite self-indulgent, really. But... If yeah, it, 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 it did change everything, but it yeah. still took me years and years before I, I mean, that was, I was 19 then, and I'm, I'm, I'm 50 now, I was 47 the first time I, I did comedy, so yeah, yeah, yeah. it took a long time. A long to, time. And, it, and, it, and, and, and it's interesting you talk about the um, Rocky Horror Show, because um, I, was at, I was at college in Stoke-on-Trent, and um, uh, uh, my first time I'd ever been away, and uh, the first week I was there, we went to see the touring production of it, and I had absolutely no idea what to expect, <laughs> and, I, and, and I was told to go with toilet rolls, chocolate bars, and I'm thinking, what on earth is this? But it, it was so um, joyous at the end of it that uh, everybody was just dancing, and that was, that was the magic thing about it. And, and, and to, to immerse yourself in the character like you did, that, that must have been very encouraging for you. Yeah, it changed everything, and it's yeah. it's a ridiculous thing to say. Rocky Horror changed my life. Yeah, yeah. but it did. Wow, <laughs> that is that is so good. Um, okay, let's let's move on again. Um, uh, let's move on to the Edinburgh Fringe. Have you ever been to the Edinburgh Festival? Um, when the, by the time this goes out, yeah. I will have done and I will have performed at Edinburgh, not my own show, um, but I am going up this summer, and I've got a few spots booked. Um, partly with um, Steve McLean and his West End Showcase, which is going to be great. Um, and I've got a few spots coming up on other on other comp shows up at Edinburgh. So mainly I'm going as a punter to yeah. just bathe in comedy for the eight days I'm going and get as many spots as I can and see as many comics as I can. And I was of two minds because, because of the pandemic. Yeah, I'm going to Edinburgh much later than I would have done Sure. If the pandemic hadn't happened, and so a couple people were like, "Oh, are you going to take a show up? Are you going to take it?" And I'm like, "I'm not there yet, and I'm not, I'm not prepared to do half an hour or an hour at Edinburgh to say I've done it if I'm yeah, not yeah. going to be able to do it at least halfway decently." Is this? Will this be your first ever Edinburgh Fringe then that, that you've gone up to? Because. Um, Yep. I, 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 I'm very lucky to be able to go every year. I've been, I've been every year since 2005. Wow. And uh, the only two I've missed were the last two years, obviously because of the pandemic. And I just love it. I, I go for a week. It's my holiday. I see about 50 shows. I need a holiday when I come back because I'm so exhausted <laughs> from laughing. Um, this year particularly will be... Uh, very special because it's their 75th birthday uh, in August. I think I think this may go out in November time, something like this, so it would have been. 
but um, uh, uh, they're 75 and I'm 55, so bring it on. And uh, we, we, um, we, uh, we haven't been to you. So I, for one, will definitely come and see you. That's what I'm trying to say. Yay. So, uh, um, so uh, um, congratulations that you've got a spot there. And uh, um, I'm sure it will go absolutely brilliantly. Um, okay. I've seen you at your comedy night, Sofa So Funny, which is a comedy night for new comedians and established acts. Please tell me about its creation and can you describe your writing process and where you get your ideas from if you're doing a routine instead of comparing? Oh, there's a lot to unpack from that question, Richard. So, uh, <laughs> Sorry, it's a bit long-winded. <laughs> no, no, that's okay. So, so far, so funny. Yeah. I'll, I'll tackle this first. Yeah. So um, during the pandemic, uh, the brilliant Stuart Goldsmith, who we all know and love, um, had an online show called The Infinite Sofa, yeah. um, which you may have seen, and it was fantastic. And he involved members of the public in his Zoom show, kind of sitting on his infinite sofa. And out of that, tremendously creative time this whole community came together of fans comedy nerds basically um and there were a few of us who'd already done comedy but largely in this very tight-knit online community lots of the regulars the so fam as we were called yeah hadn't done comedy but a lot of them wanted to try it so we were chatting one day and i said why don't i put on a zoom gig and you know, it'll be private, it'll be invitation only, and it'll give you guys who want to try it a chance to try comedy for the first time because my friends who gave me that first spot, I'm just forever grateful to them and I want to pay that forward. So we ended up, we had a, a tremendous show. We had about 50 people in the Zoom room. We had eight new acts, seven or eight new acts and a couple of us who'd done comedy before and it was a chance for me to learn how to MC a little bit. And it was only a Zoom show and it was going to be a one-off thing. Yeah. It went really well, so it started to become a regular thing. And then when we came out of lockdown, I said, let me see if I can put on a real, a real, you know, I want to be a real boy. Um, let me see if I can put on a real gig. So we did that at Faversham Fringe, because that was small enough and accessible enough to make that work. And I wanted to see what the stress points were of it. I, I can put on events for work and stuff, so yeah. I thought, it's not much different. And that went really well. So then I said, I want... I want to do a monthly show. I want to do it near London Bridge because that's convenient for me and there's not enough gigs south of the river. And I wanted it to, to always be a welcoming place for new comics, particularly people trying their first ever go at stand-up. But I also wanted to bring in some, some of these incredible comedy legends that we know and love, maybe people who, they might not be household names to the average person watching telly of a Saturday night, but they're huge to comedy nerds. And so and so that was the structure. So we have like a pro headliner and we've got a new act and then we've got experience in between. And it was an opportunity for me to learn how to compare. And I love it. I love I it. I can see. It's so fun. It's so much fun. We get the best audiences because yeah. they're comedy nerds. They're there to have fun, to be supportive. We've been really fortunate with the acts that we've got, both the headline acts and, and everywhere else throughout sure, yeah. the lineup. I don't run um, like massive numbers of people on a night. Like the most we've had on is 10 acts um, mm. because I can't 
I can't bear some of these gigs that have like 20 acts yeah, on. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. It's too much. There's only um, so we, much. <laughs> there, there, is, there is a limit. Yeah. And so I want sort of two hours, new acts, professional acts, and it's an opportunity for the pros to try out new material in a really supportive environment because our audience is the best audience. You've been part of it, you know. Um, it's so supportive and warm. So we've had some tremendous people like Ronnie McGuire yeah. did the first one and she's a hero of mine. She's so funny. She's brilliant. Um, and so, yeah, we've just gone from strength to strength. We've been really fortunate that way. And we've been able to give um, brand new acts, I think 10 or 12 ago at the first ever spot. And some people who are still quite new, three, four, five gigs in. And then we've got you know, we've got Stu Goldsmith coming up this summer headlining yeah. one of our shows. So it's going to be tremendous. And um, I don't know what will happen by the time this, this airs, this goes out, but we are trialing a second venue. So we might be going to two shows a month. Wow. So Where's the um, second venue going to be? It's near Liverpool Street Station. Fantastic. So that could be good. We'll see. We'll see. It's very exciting. We're just in the planning stages now. So that's going to be in May. And if that goes well, it'll be monthly, the last Wednesday of the month. Brilliant. And so for So Funny near London Bridge is the second Monday of each month. So that could give us a good balance. Yeah. Um, but you asked about the difference between performing a set and yeah. emceeing. It's so different. Because <laughs> with my set, some, some acts who I really admire can go up and riff and do crowd work and and kind of improvise their entire set. And I've never been able to do that. Although I'd love to be able to. But emceeing gives me a little bit of that, where I have to be present in the room and know what's going on and be able to tap into what's going on um, and keep the energy levels right, because that's an emcee's primary job. It's not about me as an emcee. It's about keeping the night fun and moving and making sure that the comedians come onto a lovely stage where they get a warm reception from the audience. And when it, when it goes well, and so far we've been really lucky, it's always gone really well. It's so much fun. Yeah. Oh, you can tell. I mean, I mean, when I when I've been twice, and uh, it's one of the, I think it's one of the best comedy nights in London. I really do. I think I think um, I was going to ask you um, how did you find St Christopher's Pub? Did you just approach them, and were they looking for a comedy night, or they weren't looking for a comedy night? I went. I had a Monday off work randomly, and yeah. I went I went on an expedition. Um, my goal was to find somewhere near London Bridge, within five, six minutes walk of London Bridge Station, um, because some people are afraid to come south of the river, but London Bridge is quite accessible. <laughs> yeah. Genuinely, because um, I, I live in southeast London. If I, if I put on a gig near me, I would struggle to get sure. people there. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I wanted a place with a separate room, not in a corner of the pub, because... Those are difficult gigs to make work. I've done yeah. enough of them. Yeah. I wanted um, a place, ideally, that was fully accessible for people with mobility issues because one of the things that was great about Zoom was that it brought people together. So our Zoom gigs, I know a lot of comics hate them. They are different, but they serve a purpose. Mm -hmm. And they make comedy more accessible for yeah. performers and audience. So people maybe have mobility issues, who have health issues, who are geographically not convenient to sure. gig can still attend. So what I wanted was a space that had accessibility and where the venue was going to be on board with helping 
to promote and ideally not charge me for the room, if I'm honest. Um, <laughs> and so I wandered into St. Christopher's pub. I'd never been there before, but it's, it, and it, at first I thought, nah, it's a long, thin bar, but they have a function room downstairs. And I got chatting with the manager and she said, yeah, just email this person. And she gave me some details and I thought they don't seem that keen. I don't know. But I, I sent an email off and it was the best of the venues I'd seen that day. And I got talking to the people in their head office and they were keen and they said, yeah, we used to have comedy here. It worked really well. And they were there. They've been really supportive. That's um, wonderful. And, yeah. So the, so the first gig in September last year, we did downstairs in a separate function room. It's a bit of a weird shape. It's very long and thin. So you could only fit sort of three people abreast. Um, but we outgrew that by our second month. Then we moved upstairs to a room at the back of the pub. So and, it's, it is... and it's such a perfect room, that. It, it, it really is. You've got, you've got space for the stage so you can get physical acts on, visual comedians. You've got plenty of seats and the acoustics are really good in there. Yeah, we've been so lucky. And the, the people who run the pub have been really supportive and really um, helpful. And, yeah, we've been so lucky. I mean, I, you know, I want to still build and get better. at. I, I need to sort out some music and I need to sort out um, some more banners and stuff, just general stuff. But we've only been going six months and it's been so wonderful. Um, and so St. Christopher's, who runs that pub, they're the ones who approach me about this other venue. Um, and it's neither one is fully as accessible as I'd like for people with mobility issues. The one at London Bridge has one step down. Right. So most, most, you know, it's not a hundred percent accessible for people with mobility issues, but it's more so than most gigs in London. Sure. Yeah. 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 So, you know, it didn't take all the boxes, but it's been, it's been a really positive experience. Well, I wish you all the best with it because you have got something very special uh, it I, I I've thoroughly enjoyed I've I've been twice and when you say uh, it's only been going six months the first one was September 2021 was that correct the first live one yeah 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 so keep going with it keep keep going every second Monday of the month is that correct that is correct we're gonna yeah. amend that for August because of of Edinburgh, we're yeah. bringing it forward by week. By the time this goes out, it won't be relevant, but we yeah. are. We'll adjust as needed. So sure. in August, it'll be the first Monday, not the second Monday. Brilliant. Well, but... I, I, I am gonna, I'm gonna try and get to every single one of them because I love it. I absolutely love it, and I'm gonna try and bring as many people as I can with me as well, because it so deserves the success that it's clearly getting. Um, uh. Do you have any ambitions as a comedian? I mean, you've you've half answered that. You're 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 looking to, I think, promote and 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 expand with your comedy empire. <laughs> Is that correct? Oh, I don't know about an empire. I mean, well, you know, it's funny because it's it's kind of a choice. I feel like I'm at a bit of a crossroads because, on the one hand, I do want to add a second show a month, but on the other hand, that. There's a lot of admin. Nobody tells you that a lot of comedy is comedy admin. Yeah. And, well, some people tell you, like Matt Richardson said on um, <laughs> Comedian's Comedian the other week. Um, and I know Matt, and I sent him a message. I'm like, hi, you're good at comedy admin. <laughs> fantastic. Uh, Matt's, Matt's, Matt's one, one of the best. Is. I know him really well. He's such He's a funny fantastic. man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot of admin involved with putting on a show. Yeah, yeah. And 
that's something I, I'm reasonably good at, if I yeah. can say that. Because, you know, in my job, I need to be decent at that level of detail and admin. But it is time consuming. And I'm also trying to gig as much as possible and still have, you know, a life mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. still go and see comedy and mm-hmm. consume comedy mm-hmm. and learn. Mm-hmm. So I'm at a bit of a... I'm, we're going to trial this second night and see how it goes. See how it if it goes, goes well, it'll become a regular thing. But that'll also give me an opportunity to bring in some guest MCs from time to time. Um, but the admin is the stuff that takes the the heavy lifting. Yeah. So we'll see how that works. At the moment, I'm gigging four or five nights a week, and that's a lot because I also work full time. That's a lot of nights doing comedy. It's a lot. Yeah. I love it. I know. I can. Mostly. I can clearly see. And <laughs> and and with the admin, there is a lot of admin for my blog and podcast. I, I spend <laughs> I spend my weekends on it because I'm passionate about doing it, and I think that's half of it. And um, I don't know whether you've had him on before, but I certainly think Matt Richardson would be a brilliant headliner at So <laughs> So Funny. <laughs> If you can get it. I him. mean, I agree entirely. <laughs> and Matt, if you're hearing this, I will be hitting you up for that. Um, well, he's been, he's been on here. He was one of the first people on the podcast, and he was hilarious. He was so he's, good. He's so brilliant. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd love to have him on. I don't know if I can afford him, to be honest. Mm, well, um, <laughs> but we and shall so I'm see. trying to grow the show so that I can get these amazing headliners doing yeah. sort of new material in a friendly environment. And it, it also... I know a lot of our acts who have less experience than these headliners. They're thrilled to be sharing a stage with exactly. some of their heroes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because because it gives them confidence and experience as well. You know, meet uh, uh, seeing uh, more experienced and more established comics. Um, talking about Matt Richardson, who is one of my favourite comedians. Who are your favourite comedians, past and present? It's a long list. <laughs> my 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 two all I have two all time comedy heroes. Right. Bob Newhart. Oh. <laughs> and and Lucille Ball. Oh, fantastic! That's wonderful. And uh, I'd love someday to tell a story as well as Bob Newhart. Yeah. But I will never be as physical as Lucille Ball. But it doesn't mean I I can't love her entirely and wholeheartedly. It's so, so good because uh, I, re- I remember at secondary school, he was featured in an assembly. I can't think why, but I could not stop laughing at Bob, Mon- uh, Bob, Mon- Bob Newhart. And uh, he, he, he was hilarious. They're two cracking uh, comedians. Yeah, I, I mean, they're. I mean, I know I'm old compared to some comics. They are before my time, just for the record. <laughs> <laughs> but my parents had all of Bob Newhart's albums back Brilliant. when we listened to albums on vinyl, and um, and so I grew up being surrounded by by that sort of, of thing. And Bob Newhart is much more famous in America than he is here. Yeah. Um, and he's still cracking on. The guy's amazing, but he's just. He just can weave a tale and he brings you in and he's he's got a fluidity to his thought process that I think is amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Lucille Ball was a trailblazer in so many ways. And I only found out recently she's how unfamous she is in the UK, which I think is a crime. I think it's disgraceful as well. I really do. Because um, she, not only the stuff she did on camera and on stage, but she changed television forever. Mm, she was one mm. of the early trailblazers oh and yeah yeah she changed sitcoms they're all done with you know multicams now because of her mm. so yeah she's a bit of a hero and and it's funny because my comedy is nothing like and never will be anything like 
her her comedy is so physical. She's very much a clown. Mm. And that's not me, mm. and that's fine. I admire a lot of comics I'm nothing like. I have a lot of love for one-liner comics, and like I said, I suck at writing a one-liner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> I do, I do. I'm, not, I'm just not good at it, but I, I love them. I, my, um, the reason why uh, I, 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 the blog exists and I like stand-up comedy was Morecambe and Wise for me in the 70s. I, c- I can remember the entire family laughing at them, whatever age they were, and um, I never, ever got to see them. I saw Tommy Cooper in the 70s. I saw Les Dawson and Ken Dodd and the two Ronnies, but I didn't see, I so wish I'd seen Eric Morecambe. And just recently, they've opened up um, a new art centre in Luton, and I've got a friend out there. And she said to me, um, they've got an afternoon dedicated to Morecambe and Wise. And I went and I met Eric Morecambe's son. And it was just a, the most extraordinary thing. He was the loveliest bloke to, to, to chat to. And I said, you know, I, your dad and Ernie Wise were absolute heroes to mine. And he was, he was wanting to know all about the blog and everything. And that's the magic of doing what I think anybody connected in this wonderful industry does because there's so many memories created from comedy nights, you know, and, and, and it's just magic to sit in the audience and watch it. Yeah, I, I'm trying to consume more live comedy as well. And so it's a balancing act between gigging and promoting and... Yeah attending and occasionally having an evening at home (laughs) (laughs) once in a while (laughs) you know but when I do I tend to just kind of deflate because if I'm not going I just stop and yeah 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 I think I think you you need to have the enthusiasm and the passion to keep going and doing it um just following on from what you said um like me do you go to a lot of comedy gigs as a member of the audience do you still go now yeah i go yeah. whenever i can yeah so i've got a few coming up that i'm really excited about and um so we go like my partner got me a membership to soho theater which made me very happy oh wow um, so we go there uh when when we can to see shows and it's a wonderful uh, place the tommy field of course well, yeah, that, and, and, and I mean, that, uh, it, um, what a place always be comedy has been to me. I mean, I've been going there six years now. It's been going for 11. Wow. Um, it's, an, it's an amazing place because it's yeah. a deceptively sized room. Yeah. It, yeah. it looks tiny, but it feels like a proper comedy club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah. It's, similar and, to, and, it's similar to Sofa So Funny, though, because you walk through the pub and there's your room. And it's like, yeah. oh wow, this is fantastic! And as soon as I walked in there, I thought it's this is similar, and um, oh, that's but, a compliment. <laughs> oh, oh, without a doubt. And um, I mean, I mean, I first went to Always Be Comedy because I was looking for like a similar Edinburgh venue, and uh, I went two or three times before I started going weekly, and the first act I saw there was Josh Widdicombe, and I was sitting halfway back. And uh, he could hear my laugh there, so so my, so my friend said, "Move to the front," and the rest is history. Um, I bet they could hear your laugh behind yeah. the bar there as well. But just just one one more thing, you said, "Do I do I still go?" I do go to lots of sort of proper shows, but also where I'm gigging, I I very rarely leave after my set. I know some comics do, and some 
sometimes you have to if you've traveled, if I've driven two hours to do a gig on a weeknight, I'm probably going to have to leave after my set. But where I can, I always like to stay and see as much comedy as I can because sometimes the person closing the set I'm gigging at is going to be the next big thing. And yeah. there's always something to learn from other comics. I was just I was just going to ask you that if if you're on a bill or um if you're doing a routine you will stay and watch them all yeah 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 absolutely I mean whenever possible there are times when when it's yeah. just not feasible yeah. but um I've shared a bill with Mark Simmons and oh, oh superb he's been on here as well <laughs> what a funny know, man yeah there's your one liner <laughs> oh my, he's, he works magic yeah, i yeah. wish my brain thought like that <laughs> i absolutely um, love that man he's hilarious <laughs> he's so good he's so good in june coming up at full frontal out in eaton i'm on a i'm on a bill with shappy corsandy oh, no with cindy wow. v with cindy v i was gonna cindy be on v. anyway yeah 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 and she's that's good as amazing. well she's just a hero oh fantastic um, yeah and so i there's always something to learn i did um Again, at Full Frontal, in, in between a couple of the lockdowns, I did a show where Arthur Smith was on. The amazing, incredible Arthur Smith. Extraordinary and he man. Was, he's so great, because I said to him, and he doesn't know who I am, you know, and I said, would you mind giving me any feedback that you might have? <laughs> and he did, bless him. He sat and he listened to my set, and he gave me some really helpful feedback afterwards. Fantastic. And he just couldn't have been nicer. He's so, he's, he is a legend. I mean... Another coup is he's been on this blog as well. I managed to get him, and he was just magic. I've seen him years and years and years uh, do comedy, and, and and a particular memory was at, at the Edinburgh Fringe where he, we were queuing up outside to go into his show, and for some reason, to introduce himself, he gave every member of the audience a little rock. <laughs> I've kept it forevermore. <laughs> he was he was wonderful. I've got I've got all my books behind me, all my comedy biographies, and his is particularly uh, so good because he's he's been going for so long. He's a lovely, lovely man and a very very funny comedian. Um, have you found online gigs good as opposed to live stand up gigs? You said before you did a few online gigs uh, during lockdown. How did you find them? Were they good or bad? or? They're both, yeah. to be honest. I, I did a lot of online gigs right. during lockdown. Um, there's a lot of people who started at the same time as me who just didn't get on with online gigs, and that's a valid response. Um, but when we came out the other side, I, I had a lot more experience under my belt. And um, they are different, yeah. no doubt about it. But they can be they can be all right. They can be. It depends on the format, the platform. There's some that are on like StreamYard and you don't hear any audience and I find those really <laughs> difficult. So much so that I will actively avoid them if I can. Yeah. <laughs> but if it's on Zoom and you've got audience and their mics are on and their videos are on and they're interacting, it's not easy because there's lag and there's you know i mean i did so you think you're funny my heats were on zoom right you know so it, it's a different medium yeah. um but the sofa so funny gigs that we've done online i did another one with some friends that we ran called the gig idea as well they were good we had audience we had people interacting they were interested they were laughing yeah which is 
what you need in a pure comic. It's like it's like blood to a vampire. It's like you <laughs> after her. It's about it's different timing and it's remembering to look into the camera and not at the little box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, waiting, trusting yourself enough to wait for laughter if you think it's going to come. It doesn't always. <laughs> <laughs> So it's, I, it's definitely different. Yeah. But if I had to pick just one, I would absolutely pick live comedy every single time. However, I think there is a place for online comedy. I, to- I totally agree with you. I mean, when, when the pandemic hit, uh, I don't know what I'd have done without it. Uh, whichever bright spark thought of an online gig on Zoom was extraordinary. But in the early days, there was no um, audio at all. So when I used to go to them, I used to go to Sean James's Monday night, uh, Monday night one. I used to go to Always Be Comedy. I used to go to um, Jarlath Regan's uh, Irishman Abroad ones on a Friday night. They were all really well done gigs, but initially they didn't have any audio. And um, so I would sit here laughing at four walls and literally I thought I was going to get taken away. <laughs> <laughs> but when they... When they yeah. When they opened up the audio, the comedians could do the beat with to the jokes and to actually see the front row or the virtual people who were there was amazing and it lifted it. But I'm so 100% with you. You cannot beat live comedy because it's of the moment. I love, I love to go out on a Saturday night and have a few drinks and then go and sit there and just... Laugh like a drain, as you've clearly seen many times. Yeah. Um, it's it it. There's something about a live environment that that is just so special, but I think online will continue, in some shape. I think or form. it will because yeah. I know there are people with accessibility issues. Sure, yeah, yeah. It's very very yeah. good for that. You can go all over the world as well and everything. You know, you, yeah. yeah. You can you know I met I met people from all over the world yeah. and yeah gigged with people from all over and it does there is something to be said from for people who can't otherwise attend comedy shows being able to still access it and I think you know I'm lucky enough that I don't have particularly mobility issues but I live in London and as I travel around sometimes I'm really conscious that I'm fortunate that I don't have to think about oh there's a hundred stairs in this station I've got to deal with sure yeah because not every station is accessible for people with mobility needs and yeah, I just think, you know, the, the pandemic has showed us that there is a place for online comedy, and I don't think that should end. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, obviously, I, I, I want to be out on a stage, but there is something to be said for not having to get out of my pajamas to do Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very much so, yes. Yeah. Okay, um, this has been an absolute delight. It really has been lovely chatting to you. Thank you so much. Um, just before we go, is there anything else you'd like to say? Is there anything else? You'd, yeah, have you got any gigs coming up or um, any podcasts or where can folk find you on social media or anything like that? Uh, yeah, thank you. And thank you, Richard. This has been fantastic. I love talking with you because it's always a laugh, literally. Um, <laughs> I try. But people, people, can find, people can find me on... I'm not going to say about specific gigs because by the time this goes out, yeah. they'll be uh, there and gone. But uh, people can find me on... Instagram or Twitter at real Leslie Gold and it's L-E-S-L-I-E and I'm not a twat I promise it's only real Leslie Gold because somebody <laughs> nicked my original Instagram and Twitter handles 
<laughs> so I had to change them. And I was on, I was away at the time. I was busy. My mother was crazy and whatever. And I was just like, I just need a different name for, and so I went with real Leslie Gold and now I'm stuck with that. So <laughs> please follow me. Uh, <laughs> but also more, maybe more importantly of, of wider interest. Um, it's at sofa. So funny, not so far. It's sofa like the one you sit on. Sofa, so funny. Um, and it's that on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And that's if people want tickets for the gigs, all, all the dates and everything will be on there. Everything is always, I, I think you probably know, I, I do blast a lot of promo on that. It's brilliant. It's so, so good. I wish you every single success. I really do with the comedy gigs that you do. I think you're a fantastic compare. I think you're a lovely woman and a great comedian and thank you so much for your time tonight it's been wonderful thank you gosh i'm in i'm in very good company thank you so much all the very best to you and take care i'll see you soon thanks